Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a Georgia professional turned 40K gunslinger and gambler on CP rerolls. As always, I am joined by my good friend and 40K mentor, the founder of Vanguard Tactics, which, by the way, is the greatest 40K academy and currently the number three team in the world ITC rankings. He is the Wyatt Earp to my Doc Holiday, Mr. Stephen Box. Steve, how's it going this week? How you doing, Dave? Do you know what? I don't even look at our show notes anymore because I want to be surprised by what you put in. <laughs> Excellent. The CP Gambler. Yeah, the CP Reroll. Yes. I actually, uh, the last time I had a game with uh, uh, Seth Piper, <clears throat> I did a CP Reroll on something and I turned a one into a one because, you know, that's the thing that happens usually. Yeah. And I told him and I said, if I do that again, if I even think about a CP reroll again, I said, slap me hard. And he said, okay. And then we got to the end and I, I had a roll that I had to CP reroll. And I'm like, I have to do it. He goes, do you want the slap before or after? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's always a gamble and it's usually not one that works out well in my favor. I, no. I, I don't, I don't have Doc Holiday's luck with uh, uh, cards on my dice rolls, but uh uh, anyway, so before we get into the big stuff, let's uh, let's acknowledge uh, Siege Studios. Yeah, massive thank you to Siege Studios, who are currently starting our new army for the next commission, which we're very excited about. So um, yeah, if you're looking to get your miniatures painted uh, for a commission, buy a commission painted survey, look no further than the Siege Studios. Also, we've got a painting tip at the end of this segment with James, the owner of Siege Studios, um, who's going to go through some top tips with us. And for myself, I've also... And had a goal, and this is to become and enter Golden Demon. And I'm going to do this with the help of C Studios, um, taking their tips and lessons that they give me to, um, yeah, I want to be able to, you know, represent all aspects of the hobby. And I think my original assessment of Golden Demon was like, oh, you know, it's quite, I don't know, maybe a little bit pretentious, you know, I, maybe that's how people think about competitive 40K as well. So, how can I, as a competitive player, bridge the gap and enter golden demon i'm gonna do it yeah that's good we don't we don't all have to be the dogmata of painting no to uh to oh, enter no. uh you, you know you don't have to be that 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 prissier or that much of a professional painter just you know put yeah. yourself in and and uh, you know practice it it's a valid part of the hobby it's not just rolling the dice and seeing who wins it's you know there's there's the building there's the the customization that you can put into your models there's the painting and Everybody should be willing and, and well, not everybody should be, but I think that it's, it is a valid additional or, 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 or the other half of our hobby. And you should take as much pride in that as you do in your win loss record. Absolutely. I mean, I've really been up in my game, even on like the time I'm spending on painting a face or whatever it might be, um, a blade and a, a shield, a sword. Um, you know, I'm trying out some, you know, non-metallic, um, sort of techniques and stuff with blending. So yeah, I'm watching uh, a lot of Siege's content at the moment to really upskill myself. I speak to James a lot, so certainly helping in no end. And because I'm surrounding myself around people that are kind of at that level, is it's raising my uh, game up as well. So yeah, massive thanks yeah. to Siege. Well, I saw that, and I saw that on uh, on the the VT on the Vanguard Tactics Instagram. I saw you had that uh, picture, of that head that you were working on that just looks incredible for Mahoris. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing. It looks a lot better when I'm not, you know, three million times zoomed in as well. Um, when it's actually on the model, it looks like it fits. So yeah, right, yeah, 
I, I know I'm working on a paint scheme for my for my Tau to, as I'm repainting them, and I wanted to give them kind of a Tron aesthetic. And when you zoom in on all the photos, it just looks like trash. But if you if you do it under normal lighting and it's keep it at you know at least an arm's length, it looks great. <laughs> and you close your eyes and squint a bit, and yeah. that's right. Yeah, exactly. That is when my painting is at its finest. And you're three three shots of tequila in, it's fantastic. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, so um, so everybody, when you are on Instagram and you're you're pulling up the Vanguard Tactics Instagram page, which we encourage you to go to, um, you should also look at the Siege Studios Instagram page. Their painting is phenomenal. Real inspiration phenomenal. there, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So uh, Vanguard Tactics announcements. We obviously we we plugged before, and we'll remind people again. If you're going to the Bay Area Open, uh, make sure to go on online and and get the uh, get a ticket for the workshop. Uh, Stephen and who's going with you? It's it's you, Chris, and Michael. Yeah, yeah. So you, Chris, and um and Mike Costello are all going to be out there to um help uh do a, a three four hour workshop. Um, yeah. the night before the tournament starts and it is fantastic. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, go on YouTube and, uh, there's actually a, uh, there's an interview video from, there's, a, there's a, sort of a highlight reel from the first one that Steve did at, at LVO that I was at. Uh, there's absolutely a gorgeous woman who just starts the, the, at the start of the video. She's absolutely beautiful, has some great input on the, on the workshop and just happens to be my wife. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, so go check that out. Um, sign up for the workshop. Um, have you, are you going to be doing one for ACO as well for Atlantic city? Well, if this one well, goes well and we sell enough tickets, that will fund me to come back to ACO. So people go to the Bay area open workshop. Yeah. Sign up, get in there. It's valuable, valid information. Steve, Michael, all those guys are great. They're going to put on a, you know, it's a lot of fun too. It's not just, you know, you're not going to be sitting at your desks with your pencils and your erasers like, like in school. No. Uh, you know. Just go to the go to the event. It's going to be worth it. Bring your models because you're going to need. Bring them. your models. Bring your dice. Bring your stuff because it's going to be a hands-on Experience. workshop. It's a hand hands. You're going to be at the tables, moving models around, and, and putting in putting some of the stuff that Steve the uh, teaches you yeah. into play. Absolutely. And I've also put a link to uh, that the way you can buy the just the standard ticket on our website as well. Literally on the homepage, it says, when you go to vanguardtactics.com, it's straight there, buy a ticket for um, BAO. Um, there is a v VIP high roller pass. So if you want to come out for dinner with us after, after and get loads of cool goodies, then um, yeah, like VT stash and et cetera, then get your VIP pass. There's only 10 of those. And I know most of those are sold already or around half are anyway. So um, I think it's going to be a fantastic event. I'm looking really looking forward to it. I know Mike is super excited. And especially with the new balance update, which we're going to be talking about today. But before we get there, what else have we got to talk about? Uh, before we get there, please, everybody, if you like hearing uh, Steve and I ramble on about all of these things, uh, please like, share, subscribe, give us a five star uh, review uh, or a four star review if there's things we can improve on. You know, go on there and give us some constructive criticism. Um, but please, you know, help us help us spread the word help us um work on those uh search engine optimizations and those things so we can uh, keep getting the popularity on this show increasing and improving so we can you know get more listeners in here so please help us out also there's a reason why i chose the competitive 40k podcast as a name and what is that it's because i want to change i genuinely want to change the outlook people have towards the word competitive and that's why I wanted to own this space for the podcast. So people come here, listen and think, actually, do you know what, Steve, Dave, well, I'm not sure if it's about Dave, he's a bit dodgy and he, you know, but um, 
Very. The rest of the guys, they play with good intent. They're great sports. They play the right way. And that's the new era of 40K I want to create for in more terms of competitive. So that's why I chose that name. But anyway, we've got a review here. Uh, it's from One Million Dingoes. Um, he said uh, he's put good listen. He's given us a four stars, Dave. He said, quite enjoying the show these days. Uh, the new host is a massive bonus and adds some character along some strong 40K chat. Hobby section with C Studios is also a big win. Um, One Million Dingoes, thank you so much for your review. Really means a lot. Keep them coming in. Yeah, thank you, One Million Dingoes. And uh, I don't know who this this new host is that's coming in and not uh, and doing you know a worth worthwhile job. But you know if he's going to take my job, so be it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please please come and give us some more reviews, and uh, we will um, we're going to start reading out some reviews every week. Yeah. Uh, to um, to see what people are saying and see where we can uh, improve or you know see who this new host is. We can't reply, so this is our only way of doing it. Yeah. So yeah yeah. Jokes aside, uh, One Million Dingoes. Thank you very much. Uh, so anyway, on to our main topic, which, um, as you've all been expecting, obviously our topic this week is, of course, Marvel Crisis Protocol. It's a fantastic game. Oh, wait, no. no. Sorry. That was wrong. Wrong notes. Wrong show. No. Uh, I'm just kidding, everybody. It's not Zombicide either. Yeah, no, no, no Zombicide, uh, although that's a good one, too. Um, pandemic, people, if you like board games, pandemic. Been for two years of pandemic. Thank you. Oh yeah, we've already lived that enough. Um, we actually bought that board game. Sean and I bought that board game and played it. And then like a month later, we had the <laughs> COVID started. It was like, God, God bless it. <laughs> um, so um, the jokes were rampant. So, um, all right. All, all uh, where most of our humor aside, we are here to talk about the balanced data slate or as town custodies players are calling it, their funeral dirge. Uh, but before we get into... The funeral of the we'll we'll get to the faction specific sobbing, you know, in a minute. But first, obviously, there were some some game wide rules changes that we need to talk about. Um, Steve, you want to start with the armor of contempt? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Now, um, just want to say we were going to do the NID codex today, weren't we? Yes. Yeah, we were going to do that. And then the balanced data slate dropped um, yesterday. And then you and I went, well, OK, priorities. Yeah, so we can do the NID codex. codex is, we'll do Tyranid codex will happen next week. And we're also going to try and arrange it with all the uh, top VT coaches where we can sit down and do like a, a talking head podcast because they're all faction experts, right? So we can look at this from like a real, you know, deep dive analysis. So today, bit of an overall, my current thoughts, our team chat's gone mental with lists and ideas floating around already. But I just want to say, for me... I'm obviously very biased when it comes to anything that Games Workshop does, and especially from the rules side of things. But I think it's bloody brilliant. Yes, and and you're a little biased because you had a lot to do with this uh, balanced data slate, didn't you? Because you're as a playtester, you had you had a little bit of say. Well, I can't confirm or deny exactly what I did or didn't do, but um, you know, obviously, I am biased, and I think it's I think it's really really good. I think there's a, a huge surge of positivity around the game. Um, but I also want to just take this opportunity to thank Games Workshop for even doing a balance update because they don't have to, you know, they could continue having crazy custodes in Void Weavers, which just, you know, sell off the shelf every single time. But what they want is a really fair and balanced game where everything is a great option, where we really enjoy this hobby. Uh, you know, go a few years ago, we didn't have chapter approved. We didn't have balance updates. We didn't have FAQs. And I think we should be extremely grateful because I can tell you this now, the rules team, they work so hard. 
I get messages, you know, out of hours that, oh, Steve had this idea. What do you think? Or, oh, Steve, can I pick your brains quickly? Um, you know, it weekends, evenings, you name it. These guys work tirelessly. Um, so yeah, I just want to say a massive thank you to Games Workshop for even doing this. Uh, yeah. And, and as someone who's been playing this game for almost 30 years, I can say that it's, it's nice to finally see Games Workshop putting this much effort into continually revising the rules on the fly. I know there's a lot of people, oh, well, why are the rules still in print? Why is this? Why is that? Man, man, man. But the fact is, is that Games Workshop is continuing now. This, this, they made this commitment at the end of last year to do this quarterly or every couple of months balanced data slate. They've been keeping to their word. They have been, this is now their third technically balanced data slate. Uh, that they've released and and they are continuing to improve and dial things in. And yeah, there's going to be imperfections. There's going to be overcorrections. But the fact that they're continuing to put the effort in, the fact that they're still trying to make this effort to revise the rules and make the competitive scene and even – and because when the competitive scene gets better, frankly, the casual scene gets better too because if you're even if you're playing a game in your garage, your family room or whatever it is – um, you want rules that are clear. You want rules that are that are revised, and and so there's no arguing and debating about what something does or what an interaction does. And you want these balances. So it's it's great that they're doing this for everybody. Yeah, and they really do look at the data, and they really genuinely care. Um, honestly, they are constantly committed to making this the most awesome game it possibly can be, um, and it's a real privilege to be part of that. It really is. So. If you've been living under a rock and you're not sure what the balance update is, now I'm not talking about any made up ones people did. I'm talking about the official one, the proper one, and it's on the Games Workshop community website. You need to go over to www.warhammercommunity.com and you'll see a section called balance update. There's a little basically PDF you can download and um, yeah, we've got all our updated rules. So this will supersede anything else written anywhere else, okay? And they continue to add to this document. So this includes any previous balance updates along with, um, obviously, then the new one will supersede this one, okay? So that's where you find it. So what the idea with this is so that essentially we can have a, a level playing field where armies have, you know, anywhere from like a 45 to a 55 win percentage, okay? Now, obviously, win percentage is slightly skewed, I would say, because a lot of the top tier players will, unfortunately, jump from list to list. Uh, so a lot of these top players, which w if they would have stuck with a faction, would have probably increased the win rate of those certain factions for longer. All right. Therefore, not having such a heavy skew. But we like new things. You know, everybody likes new things, right? We, we like it when we've got new rules, new toys to play with, etc. So um, you know, is, is probably a reason why that can happen. But that being said, each of these elements are designed to help us have a more fair and balanced game. And you mentioned the Armour of Contempt, and this is the new big one. This was huge. I don't think anyone saw this one coming, did they? No, this is massive. And I mean, this this affects probably, I would guess, close to 40% of the player base because it affects everything that wears power armor. Yeah. Sisters... Grey Knights, uh, Chaos Space Marines, Thousand Suns, Death Guard, and every flavor of Space Marines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the reason for it is because, you know, those factions in particular um, aren't doing particularly well in the, you know, the Sisters, for example, aren't performing amazingly. There's a couple of good, you know, Death Guard players out there. For example, one of our players, Death Guard Dave, does pretty well with them. 
Um, Don Houston, who we've had on the show before, does well with the Death Guard. Um, but typically, outside of a few people doing really well with certain things, it's a little bit struggling. So how can we, within, you know, literally a paragraph, there's three bullet points here, you know, and it's such a slick way of just giving a little bit of a boost without changing points. Because remember, points are typically updated in chapter approved, aren't they, Dave? Yeah, points are updates we're going to get once or maybe twice a year um, because they want to have a broader cross-section, I think, of, of data as to what where points adjustments need to happen here and there. Yeah. Um, we don't want to just be every couple of months, point change, point change, point change, because that screws people's lists over badly. Yeah. It makes you really have to shuffle things where as we want to see the balanced data slate is the way I understand it. And and you can correct me here if I'm wrong there, Mr. Playtester, but is we, we want to, to the balanced data slate is to correct rules interactions, yeah. not just how the game functions, not just what you can or can't put in your list. Yeah, because you don't want to just make things cheaper because they're worse. Because if you do that, then you'll be forced just to buy more models uh, because you'll literally need to buy things to make the points to put on the table. Also, you don't want to make things too expensive because their rules are good because then ultimately you wouldn't have any models on the table. Um, you know, like, for example, Custodes. Can you imagine if they didn't do any balance updates and they just went for a points hike instead? You know, you'd be left with, oh, I can't even make a battalion because I literally don't have enough points. So... Yeah, you'd, uh, uh, your average custodies list would go from 10 models to eight. Yeah, because, you know, there's certain things in there, like restrictions, like you can only take so many, you know, Sisters of Battle units for, um, or Sisters of Silence, should I say, for the amount of unit of Guardians you that you, or other, you know, um, custodies and custody units that you have. So therefore, there's already limitations anyway. So we need to make sure that each army has enough units, considering their secondary options, to ensure that they can still play the mission. So changing rules in slick ways like this is fantastic for the game and i know on the whole apart from a few negative people which there's always going to be in games workshop are damned if they do damned if they don't because these people would find anything to complain about literally anything they'll just complain about it um and you know what don't surround yourself with those people because it's not going to help so stay off twitter yeah reddit you know those places which can be a little bit toxic at times get yourself off it and get yourself in a positive community, okay? Uh, because if you're in a negative place, it only goes downhill from there. Yeah, and 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 I can say from experience that that's why that's that is probably the the best or one of the best reasons to join um, Vanguard Tactics because I have through through my involvement in the academy. Um, I have a small group of friends that I've met um, with, with, you know, through online tournaments and, and just faction, you know, sharing similar factions that we like. Um, I have a, a couple of, I have a group chat that I, um, that I stay in regularly on top of the, the coach group chat that I'm in now. And so we, we, there's all this bouncing around of ideas, but it's all very positive. There's not a lot of the, 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 the whining and whinging about, you know, Oh, this, that, the other thing. Oh, it's not fair. OGW this, OGW that. You know, find positivity, surround yourself with positivity yeah. and find ways to bring up your game and your friends' games. And also, if you are being a bit negative about something, you're in a group of people that will tell you, Dave, no, don't be like that. You know, they'll pull you out of it, right? Rather than um, fueling that negativity. And look, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to take a pop at any particular content creator here, but when there is a mood and the mood is like a bit negative or whatever, what you'll see is a lot of content creators will fuel that. 
they will, because it, unfortunately, the algorithm works really, really well in their favor for doing so. Um, so then what we end up in is this echo chamber where somebody says something and then somebody else repeats it and it just goes round and round and round and round. But that, you know, might not even reflect the type of Warhammer that you play, whether it's in your garage, um, whether it's in your, you know, local scene, your local gaming store, tournaments. So surround yourself with positive like-minded people where the context is about you and the game that you play. And that is the most important thing. Okay. So anyway, should we get yes. on with this, Dave? Absolutely. Enough, uh, enough philosophy about the evils of social media. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's get to the actual balance data slate, which everybody actually cares about. And let's, let's get to that armor of contempt. We, we sort of uh, danced around it, but let's tell those people that um, haven't had a chance to, to go online yet and read it. What does it say? Okay. So the Adeptus Astartes, so all of your uh, space marine types, all of your chaos types, and also your gray knights, along with the sisters of battle, worsen armor penetration characteristics by one when they're attacked. Okay. Now, there are a few caveats. It doesn't combine with a storm shield, relic shield, or a combat shield. Okay. Now, we, there are some, there's always going to be a couple of like, oh, but I've got a shield and it says it's this type of shield. Does it still work? You just assume that it's a shield, right? You know, let's just, it's broadly speaking here, it's not going to stack with one of those abilities. Um, it also doesn't stack with four shielding ability, i.e. Nemesis Dread Knights and uh, Sacrosaurus because they have a different type of shield. Um, and then also... Um, models under the effects of other rules that worsen or reduce or change basically the armor penetration characteristic of that attack as well okay so it doesn't really stack with anything that reduces it but what it does stack with is terrain and light cover which is huge for us guys because now you could have your regular three plus armor safe model we'll look at the basics so a three plus armor safe model um you know gets hit by minus one attack you still got a three plus save if you go into cover and you're hit by minus one, you've still got a two plus save. Now, if you're hit by a minus two attack and you're in cover, well, that takes you to, you worsen it by one. So it's now minus one. You're back on your three plus save. Okay. Which is absolutely brilliant. All right. Now, if the attack's minus three, so we're looking at certain weapons, like I believe a LAS cannon's minus three. Yes. And you're, yeah. and you're in cover and you're a space Marine. You literally have the equivalent of a four plus invulnerable save. This is massive. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's it especially with now the increased proliferation of things that are punching through invulnerable saves, um, which you know I was ranting and raving about that. I think on our last podcast was I, I like being able to ignore invulns, but now that that's becoming a thing for more and more uh, factions to have an option, at least one or two options to do that. That now you can you're, you're at least for if you're in a power armored faction, if you got power armor on, um, this is. Um, this is helping you out. This is definitely going to um, to m almost make invulnerables not completely useless. But I mean, you're still going to want it against things like you know melted weapons and yeah things like that. But yeah, for the most part, you're you're going to be able to if you're standing in cover, you're going to be able to act almost like you have an invul. Yeah, especially if you've got if you're in heavy cover, it'll still work in combat, which is again brilliant. Um, so for me, straight away, I'm looking at terminators. Anything with a two plus save. So should we go over some of the the things I've been considering from list building perspective? Yes. And 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 obviously uh we, we'll talk about Deathwing Terminators because I'm sure that's where a lot of people immediately went 
because they're the definition of, an, of immovable. But yeah, give us some of your other other thoughts. Okay, obviously he's an avid Blood Angel player. I'm looking at Sanguinary Guard. They've got a two plus save. Very easy to get them in cover because they're infantry. I've got great movement so I can jump from cover to cover, gaining the benefits of it. Uh, so yeah, now I'm on a one plus save in cover, which is amazing. Uh, minus three attacks puts me on a literally a three plus save still. If I get hit with a multi-melter, I'm on a 4 plus save. This was one of the biggest weaknesses of Sanguinary Guard is they just couldn't take a hit from high AP weapons. But this helps out a huge amount. It also means when they're actually in combat against, you know, things like a witch with minus one attack, they're still on a 2 plus save. So even chip damage now is going to be much harder to get through. So really this takes me back to my kind of 8th edition days of playing Blood Angels. Uh, I'm buying more Sanguinary Guard as we speak, um, and I'm definitely going to be having a great time with my Golden Host. So, yes, yeah, certainly one way to go. If you look at my sister's list, um, not my sister, she doesn't play 40k, my sister's a battle <laughs> list, um, where I surround all of my units around Junith, who gives light cover, all of a sudden now, all of my infantry on a 2-plus in the open. That's brilliant. You know, and obviously they're still reducing the AP by one. So Eldar have just come out, a lot of AP minus one shuriken weapons, you know, pretty much ineffective, um, which is going to be awesome. Tau, obviously, we'll go on to those. But again, this is a huge change on the math. Storm bolters from the uh, Guardian Spears, whatever they were. Um, again, AP minus one. We don't even care about that anymore. I'm still on two plus saving cover. So really, really effective. Um, you know, Order of the Martyred Lady, I think, is going to be the way that I'm certainly going to run Sisters because of Junith. Start looking at Grey Knights. Uh, they've got their ability to count as if in cover. Uh, again, amazing. Terminators or even the Silver Tide. Um, you know, gaining that cover save is going to be fantastic. This is also going to work on vehicles as well. Um, again, so even things like Paragon Warsuits from Sisters are going to gain this benefit. Uh, your Rhinos are going to gain this benefit. Um, so really some... You know, we could also now start looking at Raven Guard, who also get that same ability of cover. So this is kind of what we're really trying to combine well together, cover and then also this ability. You mentioned Terminators. You're basically getting a Storm Shield for free, aren't you? So you can now take um, regular Terminators with a Storm Bolter, gives you a little bit of chip damage on the volume of attacks and a Power Fist. Yeah, not as good as a Thunder Hammer, but still quite good at a cheaper points cost than it would have cost you to take a Storm Shield. And obviously um, the the Thunderhammer, but a little bit more durable against shooting. But actually, you start to open yourself up as a weakness there into combat. So combat armies are really going to prevail um, into these armies, especially if they have high AP, i.e., power swords, whatever it might be, uh, power fists. Fantastic into these more combat-heavy armies, which are a little bit slow. Um, and then we can look at Thousand Suns. Thousand Sons against damage one AP weapon, sorry, against damage one, increase their armor save by one. And there's also a Gravis ability. So if you're a Space Marine get Gravis unit and you get hit by a damage one attack, you can increase your armor save by one as well. Really, really strong. Again, that also combines with cover. So now you could be plus two to your armor save, reducing the effects of minus one. Brilliant. This is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I was, I was, that was one of the first things I thought of because from my, from my early days, um, a year, year and a half ago on ninth edition with, um, my Imperial Fists, uh, and playing, I played a lot of Gravis and I was actually right at the end of last season, I was looking at putting some Gravis stuff into my death watch list, which I actually, I remember, uh, uh, I think Michael's, um, death watch list, the last one he ran has got, he's put in some more Gravis units and that yeah. those Gravis units, 
they've already got the, the the additional wound. They've already got the better toughness, and now they've got the, you know, being able to. They've got that gravis strat that allows them to do the the plus one. Um, yeah, so their armor save is really strong. Strat, yeah, yeah, that's going to be great. And like you said, it's also going to work on vehicles, so it could bring in. I mean, we've already seen a dreadnought heavy meta with with Space Marines, but now we should see some more infantry come in, and we also can possibly start to maybe see the return of uh, of gladiators, of predators, the Land Raider. Yeah, well, I still think it's a little overcosted, but um, <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. You never know. Uh, you know, Land Raider meta. Here we come. Yes, along with winter. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. obviously then there's Death Guard as well. Um, Death Guard already very durable. Oh, we're going to talk about Death so Guard. So durable. We're going to talk about Death Guard a little bit later. Yeah, because they, they got some faction-specific uh, love too. Um, and T-Suns, uh, uh, the, um, the T-Suns, uh, Thousand Suns Terminators, and even just their regular... Um, rubrics. The, the regular power armored um, rubric marines are going to be just a touch more durable, which so hopefully we'll st- start seeing some Thousand Suns come back into the meta. Yeah, and what this means is that our units that are on the table are going to stay on the table for that little bit longer so they can continue to add value to the game. They can continue to score on the primary, score on the secondaries. You know, one Space Marine guy can actually do work for you, providing, you know, we've got a couple alive. So um, it only takes, you know, a sergeant with a chainsaw to go in into a unit of, you know, a few witches to t- kill off a few or cabalites, whatever it might be. Uh, he can take easily take down a couple of Harlequins. So again, having your models on the table for a little bit longer is just going to, over the course of the game, get a little bit more value out of them. So I think that's awesome. So what's next? Yeah. Uh, all right. So next uh, is one that sort of indirectly pains me, but not not to the extent that it's going to pain a lot of other Tau players. Um, and certainly this, but and this is also, I think, going to have an effect on Death Guard players in the other direction. And this is... Um, a massive change to indirect fire. But actually, this then this reminds me as I'm looking at the, the data sheet in front of me. The one thing they didn't do with this data sheet, and I kind of wish they had, was the thing that they do when they do the, the regular FAQs, uh, which is they didn't color code or do something to indicate changes that had already been in place before. And so I was actually having to pull up the old data slate for today to see what was new versus what had already been there before. Some of the, this data slate encompasses all of the previous changes from the last two data slates, as well as what they've added for today. So if you're, if you're looking specifically to find what's new and what's old, you'll have to do a side-by-side comparison, but for the most part, it's. Well, we're just going to, co- we're just going to cover the new stuff. So yeah, yeah, we're just doing the new stuff. So there is, they, they did um, at this point, right after armor of contempt, because they're, they're doing it obviously alphabetically, um, by rule, the next thing was the um, aircraft change. We, we don't have to go over that. That's been around for a while. The next thing, though, is indirect fire. And this is a huge change. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. Tell them, tell them what it is. Right. So if you're, if you're firing a weapon that can shoot indirectly, which means you do not need line of sight, if you don't have line of sight, then you worsen your ballistic skill it's not a hit modifier. You literally worsen your ballistic skill by one. Okay. Remember, you always hit on a six, but you worsen your ballistic skill by one. Then you add one to an armor save. So, therefore, if I'm shooting, which makes sense, right? Because, you know, there's going to be debris, it's going to be, you know, floors, it might end up falling through, etc. 
Um, you know, typically if you can't see this unit, it's probably because they're in terrain of sorts. So imagine they're in a ruined building. There's going to be ceilings above them. You know, they could even be in a completely enclosed box. Now, indirect fire technically goes through that, but how, you know, we, this now brings in a level of immersion that, you know, maybe it hits the roof and now some of the roof collapses, but you're still going to get some sort of save. It's not like this shell's just landed on your head. So I really like that. Yeah. And, and, and I can speak from, from personal, former professional experience. When I was in the army, I, I was in the infantry, but I cross-trained as a, um, forward observer to call in artillery strikes and artillery strikes and indirect fire is not super accurate. It, it is, it is not supposed to be pinpoint accuracy. I mean, yeah, I know we have laser guided bombs and aircraft and all that, but that's why we're talking about indirect fire. We're talking about artillery that's miles away. We're talking about uh, mortar fire that is, you know, hundreds of yards away safely in a tree line or behind some other cover or something. So it is somewhat in- inaccurate there. You know, there's a reason that we start shifting fire as infantry units move on to an objective. Artillery fire gets shifted off so that there isn't friendly fire casualties. So this makes absolute sense, both from a play rules perspective and from, like you said, an immersion sort of a r- realism uh, yeah, function. Absolutely. You know, they could have gone even further with this. They could have said indirect fires can't even hit flyers or something, right? If you really want to bring it down to that immersion level. Um, but I think on the whole, it's a really clean way of effectively doing uh, so much to the game. You know, if you look over the years, we've had you know issues with triple thunder fire, triple whirlwind, imperial fist lists. We've had issues with, you know, 18 hive guard, double shooting. We've had issues of all this stuff. And then recently, uh, SMS, airburst bodyguard units, right, from the Tau. Right. So indirect has been a problem. Aircrafts were a problem. All of this stuff is getting addressed. So these ways of trying to remove the third player of the game, which is terrain, um, you know, yes, you can do it. And yes, you'll do a little bit of chip damage. And yes, you might kill a unit of Kabbalites, for example, but you're not going to be ha- making hammer blows to units anymore. You might pick off one lone model that's set on an objective. So it just means that your opponent has to put maybe another unit on there as well. They can't just rely on this one guy going to hold it down. So I think it's really, really good. Um, I love the fact that it's came into play and it will stack with other things. So remember, is the ballistic skill modifier. If you're also in dense terrain, then obviously you're going to still be a minus one to hit. So now a space marine who normally hits on a three, your ballistic skill four now. So therefore hitting on fours, hitting something in dense, you hit on fives. If you're not a space marine and you hit on fours, then you're going to probably hit on sixes if there's a minus one to hit involved as well. Okay. Yeah. SMS and, and airburst for Tau. If you haven't put a marker light on something, your indirect is hitting on a six, folks. So sad. Pour yeah. one out. You know, pray that you you roll well for your D6s to for number of shots on your airbursts, I guess. But yeah, it's definitely gonna be something that it's it we are not going to, you know, Tau players are not gonna be able to sit back and just be non-interactive and just start bombing on people from across the table with tons of SMS and tons of AFP. Yeah. Those those short-lived days are blessedly behind us. Good. I say good. Well, this brings us on yeah. to our next point, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and 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 there's a, there's a there's a caveat here in the balanced data slate, which I don't know. I mean, I get sort of why because this is a faction. We're, we're talking about Astra Militarum. They there's, they get a little asterisk on the indirect fire rule, which is um, attacks made with indirect fire weapons by Astra Militarum units. That's Imperial Guard for you old school players. 
are unaffected by any of the indirect fire weapon rules presented above. So because they specialize with their basilisks and their manticores and their mortars and their every, you know, half of their other stuff, they, because they have sort of a faction specialty in that they don't suffer these, the, the, these penalties to indirect fire weapons. So I, from an immersion standpoint, I don't think it's quite as good, but, um, but it, 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 we're also talking about a faction that is largely struggling right now in the current meta because they're one of the last factions that hasn't gotten their ninth edition codex yet. So I'm kind of hoping this rule goes away. This little asterisk goes away once they get their new codex, but certainly for the interim, um, you know, People are, this is something that is going to, I think it's worthwhile to keep them playability. There's, yeah, um, I know there's been a lot of, um, what's that? It's a huge bonus for them. Oh, it is. Yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely gives, gives them a degree of playability. I mean, you would have taking that, the indirect fire away from them would have just further crippled yeah. um, astromilitarium units from showing up in lists. And I know that there's been in, in recent tournaments, there's been a list, there's been an, an uptick in, um, in Astromilitarium showing up in tournaments, um, and, uh, you know, frontline gaming has their, their Thursday show where they go over, um, who's, you know, events and they go over the, the, who, what, which factions are showing up in upcoming tournaments in the following weekend. They do that every week. And, um, uh, it's a good side of the, 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 the hobby that, that Steve and I aren't going to cover. So, but if you listen to that podcast, they will talk about, it. and there's been this the last couple of weeks, there's been this massive uptick and astromilitarium factions showing up in tournaments, I think largely because they were bringing all of their indirect to counter all of the other indirect that was now coming from Tau and some of the other factions. So um, I think it's good. I, th- I think that um, uh, that that keeping this, that having this little asterisk is good, at least for now. Yeah. Although I think it's brilliant. You, you, you guys might have, I mean, playtesters and, and GW might have to revisit it once they get their new codex. Well, I can't comment, but um, I think it's brilliant right. because although um, you might, you know, if you're a guard player and you think, well, I was doing that anyway, that's not really a buff. So anytime you have a rule that other people don't, that's a buff. So although it might feel like um, actually um, you're not gaining anything new because you were doing this anyway, the fact that everybody else in the field can't do this is a buff. Okay, because everybody else's standards have just been lowered. So your standard is now raised because of that. All right. Yeah. So what's next, Dave? Um, I just had a thought. I, I'm wondering if GW playtesters have a better um, level of, of communication security. And you guys are so good with your, with your NDAs. I wonder if maybe MI5 and the CIA should start taking tips from you guys. Just a thought I had. Uh, okay. But the next rule we want to talk about in the balanced data slate a is... A lot of people do try and break me, but, it, you know, I've got an iron resolve. Yes. Well, well you know, waterboarding is still a thing. Don't challenge people. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, the bodyguard ability, speaking of, of uh, high-end government agencies, the high-end government agency, the secret service of... 40 K world, the bodyguards, they're, they're, they're not, uh, they're going to drop, they're starting to drop the ball suddenly like, uh, the secret service around Ronald Reagan. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the change here, Steve? Okay. So this is massive and I think it's amazing. Basically, um, one of the biggest problems with the bodyguard was that it made snipers, you know, people that ignored lookouts, uh, just completely ineffective. It also meant if you're in engagement range, of a character that has a bodyguard within three, whether the character, whether that 
bodyguard units with engagement range of you or not, you couldn't shoot them. It also prevented you from overwatching the unit because as long as they were in three of a bodyguard unit, they couldn't be shot from a ranged attack. So now we get rid of all that. All that wording of you can't be shot if you're within three is gone. Um, because what we had was situations of a character on an objective behind a wall. There was a bodyguard unit behind them. And then, you know, Celestine was just, you know, like nine inches ahead of this unit, like, oh, hey, can't shoot me. Woo. Now, no, it can't happen because here's the new rule. That target unit can use the lookout, sir, rule, even if it contains fewer than three models. So therefore, you can have a unit of one model now, but you still have to be within three inches of a model with a bodyguard ability, and you have to have another unit closer to your enemy to, to basically stop you from being shot, okay? Now, this also means snipers are back on the menu because snipers that ignore lookout, sir, well, it doesn't say anything about the amount of models, so yeah, snipers are back on the menu. Eliminators, death jesters, um, you know, anything else that can ignore rules for lookout, sir, got a yeah. huge, huge bonus here, okay? So start looking for your codex again. Who can ignore lookout, sir? Start putting it back in your list because it could be quite effective. All right. Yeah. Eliminator still and sniper drones and some of those sniper weapons. I wish that those weapons were a little bit stronger. Yeah. Uh, because then you would definitely see, and now characters would be a much at much greater risk. A lot of this stuff is strength five, which isn't wounding characters very reliably. The AP is usually not great. So I, I don't think, and see, and, and that was sort of the idea, I think, with the bodyguard rule before, which was this, the bodyguard rule was sort of anti, it was sniper proofing some of your characters. Yeah. And now that that's gone, I would, I, I, I want to see, I hate to say it, but I just want to see sniper weapons just get a little bit better. Just maybe one point of strength higher, maybe just do an yeah. extra mortal wound here. Yes. Something just because yes. I want to see characters, I want to see characters not run around the field oh, they're in the quite place. so what's that like they own the place yeah i want them i want them to not run around the field you know you know completely un un unfettered and you know with yeah without any fear somebody needs to put the fear of god in these characters that's what i'm saying yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do it my triple death jester list oh there you go yeah mm. i no no like i i for a while uh, with with my death watch i was i was putting out a a phobos uh eliminate a unit squads yeah with a kill team and i had with five with five uh eliminators and even they struggled to kill you know a hospitaler they're you know which is not exactly the toughest character on the map it's it, it they sure as heck weren't going to be killing dante or yeah. or putting a hurt on mortarian no well you anyone can shoot him anyway but well yeah but yeah but you get my point i know what you mean right so there are there's a load of other jargon about who it who it does and who it doesn't affect okay um, you know, Hive Tyrants as well, because they've got uh, in their new codex, Tyrant Guard, basically body block, um, you know, Hive Tyrants. So, which is right. ridiculous, by the way. So now it just means uh, there's a little bit there which says they can protect character units greater than nine. Okay. So uh, it just means they can still protect their Hive Tyrants because obviously Lookout Sir would normally not work because it's, uh, you know, models of one. All right. So I think that's really, really good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next up. So that's 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 it for the army wide changes. Uh, I mean the I'm sorry the game wide 
universal um, changes to rules. Now we get into some of the faction specific stuff. And uh, like we said earlier, we're not going to go over this, the, the changes that were already there from the past um, data slates, but we're going to touch on the new stuff, which starting with the depth of Sororitas, I got to tell you, Steve, when I showed, when I, when I showed the, you know, because my wife's a, a high school teacher, she, she teaches biology. So she was, she doesn't get to uh, glance at the internet as much during the day as I do occasionally. And when I sent her screenshots of this and the armor of contempt, um, I thought she was going to drive home and challenge me to a game. Oh, she started freaking out. Yeah. These changes to Adeptus Sororitas combined with the armor of contempt rule, sisters are back on the menu. You're going to, if, if we don't see an uptick in sisters in the meta, I will be shocked. I'm tempted um, to put them back on the table now. I, I'm I'm sure, except you, you your blood angels got to get priority there, but because um, we we all want to see the return of Eighth Edition Steve. Yeah, um, we all want. But, that. Uh, okay, so I'll read this. I'm going to read this bullet point, and you give us your thoughts. So the first one, there's two bullet points for Adeptus Sororitas. The first one, um, it says, change the first bullet point in the gaining miracle dice section of the Acts of Faith ability to read at the start of each turn. Each turn, mm. you gain one miracle dice. Yeah. Before it's battle round. Am I reading round. that correctly? Yeah. So before it's battle round, now it's turn, which means you're going to get double. Well, not you're not going to get double the amount of Miracle Dice, but you're going to get a lot more because you'd normally get uh, five over the course of the game um, if you're alive that long. And then what you'd also do is gain a Miracle Dice in a phase in which you kill a unit with, you know, the Act of Faith ability um, or you lost a character. Order of the Martyred Lady was the reason I chose them was because they've got um, the ability for when they lose a unit with it, they also gain one. So therefore, one of their secondaries became really reliable. Also, when you need to put units in reserve because you're not very durable, like, for example, Repentia, Zephyrin, you need to make big old long nine-inch charges from reserve. So having the access to more Miracle Dice, because when you want to be able to use two in a turn, um, you, you just kind of got through them too quickly. So I think now um, it really gives you the ability, remember, to use them for saves. So therefore, when we've got Paragon Warsuits in the list, which have struggled because of their, even with their minus one damage, they are a two plus armor save now. Um, you know, reducing it by one means that they can start manipulating the save rolls for dice of like a three or a four, which you don't often use for Miracle Dice. It's just going to really add a lot more uh, weight to keeping these units that you really need alive for much longer. So I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah. And it really, like you said, it, it before, if you wanted to play the Leap of Faith secondary for Sisters, you had, you pretty much had to play Order of our Martyr Lady. There wasn't, you weren't generating enough Miracle Dice otherwise to make it a viable secondary yeah. for the other sub factions. Now, you've, like you said, you got 10 guaranteed Miracle Dice through the game, plus the ones you're going to generate from killing units or losing characters. So, and, you know, plus the other couple of abilities you can do to, to squeeze in to get extra Miracle Dice. So you can really start pumping up some Miracle Dice now, and Leap of Faith is going to be a, a viable, a more viable secondary now. So, uh, which is great. Absolutely. Um, uh, and then the second bullet point uh, for Depths of Sorthouse, it says, change the second bullet point of the Stoic Endurance. Uh, that's the uh, Order of the Valorous Heart. Um, that's one of their sub-faction, uh, uh, faction-wide rules. Uh, conviction to read, each time an attack is made against a unit with this conviction, that attack's wound roll cannot be re-rolled. Yeah. That's a bit of a shift. Yeah, I mean, because they used to have... Um, their second bullet po point used to be you reduce minus one to zero and you reduce minus two to one. Um, now, that was quite good on the sacrosance, I'm not going to lie, but 
you've gained a completely army-wide buff. And actually, if we think about this, and this is going to tie into my next point when we get to the Custodes, re-rolling the wound roll is really, really powerful. So now having this, where your entire opponent, no matter what they shoot, with this Order of the Valarius Heart, cannot re-roll their wound roll, is crazy good. People taking um, lieutenants who re-roll ones, they don't do anything. Tyranid Primes, they don't do anything. Uh, Doom from Eldar, that does nothing. Um, any, you know, CP re-roll, you can't do it. You just cannot yep. re-roll the wound roll. Lightning Claws, say what? You know, what are you going to do there with your non-re-roll wounds anymore? Um, yeah. It's so powerful, this army-wide ability. Um, so don't just worry about your sacrosants, guys, okay? Yeah, I mean, it. it your sacrosants, they didn't lose anything. Uh, well, the sacrosants lost the ability, but everybody else gained the ability. So it's it's not that big of a it's not that much of a hurt. Your your sacrosants are still a two up with a four up invuln, oh, right, and which yeah. becomes a one up in cover. They're they're still fine. They're still in park a hospital or behind them. They're gonna be almost as immovable as Deathwing. You'll be fine. <laughs> and adding in the fact that now this taking away this wound roll against them um, is going to help. Still going to help everybody's uh, uh, for the sisters survivability. And also I, I, you know, I thought about this is a lot of, there's a lot of abilities out there now that have that, Oh, a, a six causes a mortal wound, a six to wound causes two mortal wounds. You can't, uh, and people will intentionally, you know, re-roll their stuff to try to fish for sixes to get those mortal wounds on you. They can't, they can't do, that. do that anymore. There's yeah. no fishing. They, they, they get what they get when on their wound rolls. So you're going to, you're going to be suffering. Statistically, you should be suffering far fewer mortal wounds yeah. um, against your, your, your Adeptus Oritas list now too. So I think it's great. I think that sisters are, are going to be those, these three things with armor of faith and these two or armor of contempt and these two uh, changes to their, it's just going to make them so much more survivable, so much more viable. Yeah. It's going to be great. So guard next so, after Militarum. Yeah. Astro Militarum, a couple of them were already there before, but there's also a couple of, a couple of new ones too. So, um, the we'll skip the 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 Lehman Russ uh, still has the two plus armor save. That's not new. Um, the voice of command ability uh, that's not new. That was that was yep. already there before. There's a change though to Hammer of the Emperor. Yes, and I don't know what Hammer of the Emperor is. If it's okay, so if every regiment unit in your army is drawn from the same regiment, then each time a regiment model from your army makes an arranged attack, ranged attack that is not combat. And a modified hit roll of a six automatically wounds the target. Therefore, you roll a hit and it's a six. You don't need to roll the wound roll. It goes straight through. And this really represents just the amount of shots guard really put out. Um, so we just rather than giving guns extra shots or whatever um, to you know increase their damage potential at the table, what it's done there is completely eradicated a wound roll, which is actually extremely powerful because when you think about las guns that are strength three, they actually find it very, very difficult to even wound. Um, so automatically doing that is very, very strong. Anytime you can combine this with rerolls to hit, again, very, very powerful as well. So I think guard, not only if you just had a boost from the indirect along with this, very, very good because this is going to work on everything from a las cannon um, to a melter gun to the lone las gun. So yeah, brilliant. Yeah. you you can, you can viably see an infantry heavy, uh, 
uh, guard uh, army or even a unit with a couple of the Punisher yeah. uh, Lehman Russes putting out a huge volume of fire and they can they can bring down a knight now. They can bring down a storm surge. They can bring down yeah, a greater I mean, demon. It just stops those extra dice rolls that, you know, might go awry. The only thing it doesn't affect, obviously, is flamers because you don't technically roll to hit. But that brings us on to our next bullet point, right? Yep, which is uh, a change to this. There is a there is a change of points. There's a slight points change. And I don't know. I don't remember what the old points is, so you'll have to tell me. 55. Um, okay, so it was 50. So an infantry squad was before it was 55 points. Now it has been raised to 60 points for the squad. And did the unit size change? I'm not sure. Not sure. I thought, I, I, I don't know if they were doing, were, I don't know if guard was doing 10 man or, or was able to do a 20 man squad before. I don't think so. I can't. But it says, anyway, yeah. the rule says, uh, change the points cost. Oh yes, there it is. Change the points cost. Not, it, it, but that says infantry squad unit size, 10 models, unit cost 60 points. So your, your infantry squads have gone up a, a whole five points. But... All of your equipment is now free. So therefore, you can take a LAS cannon in the unit for freezies. Or a mortar if you'd like some indirect fire. A melter gun nudge, wink, wink. for freezies. Whatever you want. Take a power sword on your sergeant if you can do it. I don't know. Just take it. It's free. Go nuts. Yeah. Go wild. Bust, send your infantry squads into the armory and have them load up like uh, like they're about to go down to LV four twenty six in a you know in a drop, uh, you know give them every great gun you can think of, go crazy. Yeah, um, it's just Christmas for guardsmen. Yeah, yeah, big time. And, and they were good boys this year. <laughs> they were good boys and girls this year, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is and this combined with the next thing we're going to cover, I suddenly feel like um, the war mistress, who's a friend of our show and a friend of ours. Uh, she is going to uh, she's going to be switching back to her her beloved guard, I think, yeah, um, because she's a big guard player and she had switched to custodies briefly, and um, now there's more incentive to play guard and l- I won't say less incentive, but custodies have got a big change and they got three changes. Uh, so the the first thing that they got is says uh, under adeptus custodies change the third bullet point of the detachment abilities of an adeptus custodies detachment to read. Troops units in Adeptus Custodes detachments gain the objective secured ability. Troops units, not everybody, not infantry. Is it big? That's huge. It's real big. Yep. Sisters of Silence are suddenly looking a whole lot tastier for Custodes players. So keep going through them and then I'll give my thoughts. Okay. Uh, Next one, add the following to the esteemed amalgam, Emperor's Auspice and Martial Discretion Stratagems. You can only use this stratagem once. Uh, I haven't bought the Custodes Codex yet, so you're going to have to tell me what the heck that those say. But whatever those stratagems are, you can only use them once per game. Uh, and then uh, lastly, change the Adeptus Custodes keyword in all instances on the Arcane Genetic Alchemy and Emperor's Auspice stratagems to read Adeptus Custodes Infantry. Yeah, okay, cool. So um, I believe, I don't have the Custody Codex on me right now, but I believe... Um, Martial discretiency is, I'm going to have to check that one off the top of my head actually, but basically that stratagem and also the Emperor's Auspice. So one of them is the reroll wound roll. Okay. Okay. So that basically means you can only use your, um, yeah, reroll wound, your, like turn off rerolls once per game. 
And that one is also covered so that it cannot be used by um, obviously the bikes either. And also the alchemy one is, I believe, the transhuman. They can't be wounded on a one, two or three. Got it. Yeah, now, I was I was thinking that that was the the genetic alchemy one was their that yeah. was their transhuman I thought. But yeah, I and then martial discretion is the when you put a custodian unit in a stance that isn't been active for the battle round yet. So not a huge one. So um, I think that's actually pretty pretty good. Um, not you know I think a lot of people may be expecting um, Empress Chosen or whatever to get nerfed a bit because they've got that four plus against mortals. Um, they can still put units in different shield hosts, which is really strong. Shadow keepers are still really good. Um, this actually, I got bored playing custodes, mate. I got really bored playing custodes because you just use the turn off rerolls every single phase. It's too boring. And now we've have you know everything had obsec. Also, this has massively been impacted by the bodyguard because before. Um, you would just put Trajan out in front of a warden unit and they couldn't be shot. Uh, now he can. Um, so therefore, all of a sudden, the custody player is going to have to start taking a lot more Sisters of Silence, whether they're the ones that pregame move, whether they're the ones with swords, whether they're the ones in rhinos, uh, just regular battle sisters or whatever that can pregame move. You're going to have to see a lot more foot infantry on the table in order to win the mission. Um, which is going to force custodian players to think a little bit more tactically rather than just, I just need to roll four ups, mate, and turn off rerolls. So again, I think this is actually an exciting thing for the custodians because it will force you to become a better player rather than just relying on rolling four ups and two really good stratagems. Yeah, it's, it is going to force a diversity in lists, which is always a good thing. Also, quickly on Battlescribe, what I just did was I got an infantry guard unit I gave my sergeant a plasma pistol and a power sword, and I then took a plasma gun. I then took a voxcaster, and I took a, a las cannon heavy weapon team. That comes to ninety points. Can you imagine having like twelve units? Take it like a brigade or something. Just twelve las cannons on the table, twelve plasma guns, just for you know sixty times twelve, whatever that is. That three hundred and sixty points. Yeah, something along those lines. That's a huge volume of fire. No, sorry. Thank God I have my indirect fire with my. Oh, wait. That's 720 points, but um, I, I was thinking six units. Yeah. But wow. That's awesome. Yeah. This is why flamers and burst cannons are my friend now. Um, all right. Uh, AdMac. Um, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Nothing's changed there. Space Marines. I don't think that's a change. The, the Salamanders chapter tactic. It is because they used to have um, the ability of. Reducing AP by one. Oh, that's right. So every sp single Space Marine and Sister has just become a Salamander. So therefore, uh, we needed to make sure that they still had something, you know, to go with it. And, um, you know, they've given that the same rule as the Valerius Heart. You can't reroll the wound roll. Very, very strong for Salamanders. This is going to be awesome for those players. Re honestly, yeah. so powerful because we've just seen that the power of turning off rerolls is now once per game for custodes. You can do this. Well, you don't even have to pay for it. It's free. You can do it still on your Gravis and your Terminator units, and you can still use it with Transhuman. It's crazy good. Crazy, crazy good. Yes. Yeah. Salamanders are are should also be back along with Valorous Heart Sisters. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving along. Uh, Chaos Space Marines. Nothing changed there. 
uh, y'all are getting your codex soon, so pipe down. You, your, your days of being on one wound are quickly dwindling. Um, uh, but Death Guard, and this is where we Death Guard is going to have a should have a serious shakeup. We should see more of them on the table now, and we, the the days of the uh, the triple um, plague burst, but plague burst crawler PBCs, uh, those should be going away because while plague burst crawlers and indirect fire is not going to be nearly as good as it was before. Um, the the armor of contempt is going to help them, and they get this one bullet point: Blight Lord Terminators and Death Shroud Terminators units in Death Guard detachments gain the objective secured ability. Your Terminators are all obsec now. Death Guard players rejoice. Saucy. That's a spicy meatball right there. Yeah. That is a spicy meatball. Yeah. That is, and it's it's a it's covered in flies and contagion, but it's still a good. It's an interesting meatball, and it's spicy. Mm. So. I like it. Uh, well, I don't right. even like Death Guard, but anyway, good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, good, good on them. Um, uh, Drakari, I don't... No changes. Drakari had... No, no changes there. Uh, Necrons, no change there. Uh, orcs, no change. Sorry, sorry, Orcs players. Um, now, Quins. This is a big one. The, 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 other, the other bane of the meta that everybody's been complaining about besides Custodes and Tau. Mm-hmm. Harlequins... Got a couple big changes here, folks. Uh, yeah. The first one, and you'll have to tell me what the what it said before, but the mirror architect pivotal role. Yes. Change the mirror architect pivotal role to read in your command phase. Select one friendly Saedeth core unit within nine inches of this model until the start of your next command phase. Each time an enemy unit is selected to shoot when measuring the range to any model in the Saedeth unit, it is considered to be an additional six inches away from the shooting model. Yes. That was... An aura before, wasn't it? It was an aura, and it wasn't core. It was anyone. So therefore, all of your star weavers and void weavers, and this was the real issue with this list, was that they counted as an additional six inches away. Um, now, bear in mind, Troop, Harlequin Troop, have just gained the core keyword, which was in their FAQ. Um, now, you got to remember, guys, there's a difference between an FAQ and a balance update. An FAQ is to amend any little changes that need to happen because of the rules were written in a way or missed a keyword, for example, in the codex. A balance update is to change the rule, okay? So... Yeah, FAQs are corrections to what is already there. Yeah. Balance updates, it's... The FAQ fixes typos and words that they accidentally leave out, something yeah, that yeah. somebody messed up in editing. Balance update data slates are actually fixing rules, rules. interactions. Yeah, the FAQ is like a... Uh, think of it as, here was our intent, guys. You know, like a sort of clarification more than so than a change. So the Harlequins, um, this is really significant, as you can probably already tell. It doesn't affect, um, you know, your Void Weavers or Star Weavers. It's not going to affect your characters anymore. Um, it does create a bit of an issue with Lookout Sir still, with obviously then characters or whatnot. Um, but technically you could have a unit that's minus six inches away, but counting closer... Hey, you'll get around it, I'm sure. Just make sure you've got characters within two different units. Anyway, but it's much weaker now. Much, much weaker. And probably, I mean, funny enough, I actually took this out of my list um, before any of this kind of stuff anyway. Um, You know, a few weeks ago, I actually took this out of my list and it will not be making its way back into my list. So I was already thinking of taking it out because I'm a, I'm a Harlequin combat player. I don't care. I don't want to try and sit back and stay an additional six inches away. I want to get one inch away. 
Um, I want to be in engagement range. So, you know, but I want to be close anyway. So I spent those points elsewhere. Yeah. So the next bullet point. All right. Uh, change the favor of Segarok, uh warlord trait to read once per turn when you make a melee hit roll, a melee wound roll, or a saving throw for this warlord. After making the roll, you can treat the result as an unmodified roll of six instead. Yes. So before, this was the warlord trait you put on a death jester. The death jester has a pivotal roll, which says when you roll a six, you can... You basically count as scoring three additional hits. So what you would do is roll three dice to hit. Um, let you've got fifty percent chance of rolling a six. That would then spike three more hits. Okay, you hit on twos. If you roll a one or whatever else, you then turn that dice into another six. So then you basically, the guy puts out nine shots, strength six, minus two, maybe even minus four, two damage attacks he was a bit ridiculous. I've had him, you know, just tear up, um, you know, and if you roll a double six on those three dice, you turn your third one to another six and now you've just put out 12 shots. I've had this guy, you know, pick up a unit of breaches, no problem. So, um, yes, it's a bit of a blow because he was quite cool, but probably needed in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. We, I think we talked about this when we did our, our, our codex review that yeah. that was one of those things that, was just going to be obnoxious with the amount yeah. of, uh, you know, hits it could put out. Yes. So, uh, and then two more bullet points for the Harlequins. Um, just some points changes. Star Weavers are now increased to 95 points per model and Void Weavers are changed to 130 points per model. Yes. So that is a 15 point upgrade on the Star Weaver. So all those lists that contains, uh, you know, five Star Weavers or six Star Weavers, um, that's a lot of points they need to find, right? Yes. I was taking four star weavers. So therefore I need to find, I used to take star weavers because my troop unit didn't have core, um, because the minus one of wound from the tr shadow seed didn't affect them. So I needed a transport. So I lost 60 points out of my list, which I'm already dropping that mirror architect anyway, which is 30. So I can find 30 points. No problem. The void weavers though, this is the massive one. So those players that were, you know, just spamming Void Weavers and all nine of them, they've gone up by 40 points each. 40, Oof. Dave, each. That's, yeah, that is a, um, that is a slap to anyone who was spamming Void Weavers. And frankly, it was a slap to 3D printers all across the world. Great. Uh, because there were so many Void Weavers, people were spamming nine Void Weavers. There weren't that many Void Weaver models in existence. Uh, before the codex released and they didn't suddenly put out gw didn't suddenly publish that many void weavers you know yeah. the codex came out and 3d printers went brrr yeah and now Good. you can put your, your 3d 3d printers away folks yeah stop that absolutely um something we you know don't really support so um i think it's a good thing and that the meta list now for harlequins that's been going around thrashing everyone is now gone up 450 points they've just lost yeah a huge amount of their army. So that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You will still see three, maybe six, but we're not going to see nine. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. No, it is good. And, and, and if you are going to field six, you're, it's going to take away from how many troops you're putting out on the table. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going it, to, it, it's going to balance out. You're, you're probably not going to, you're not going to have the resources. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the last one, Tau, Yes. Oh, my, my beloved Tau. We, 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 we took it on the chin, folks. Um, 
Change the second bullet point of the Montcaw ability to read. Each time a model in this unit makes a ranged attack that targets the closest eligible enemy unit within the range shown in the table below, reroll a wound roll of one. So basically, they got rid of the additional minus one AP that um, you were getting from your Montcaw ability. So uh, it's, it, we can still reroll the wound rolls of one, which is good. Losing the AP hurts, uh, but we will recover, folks. The greater good will fight on. Or you'll just have um, to go for different options, like a Riptide or something. You know, you have to yes. go for, yeah. you know, Psychic Iron, Iron Blasters are still good. Plasma's still good. Fusion Guns are still good. They're all pretty high AP, so you're not really going to care. There's still ways to improve your AP. Um, you know, the Riptide, there's still loads of choices. Just You're going to have to look oh, yeah. a little bit deeper than just a Flamer yeah. or a Burst yeah, yeah. Cannon. No, agreed. And, you know, and, well, and, and I... I was I was using uh, I was really kind of toying with the idea of of having a ghost keel um, with the oh, ion the, the yeah. heavy ion, but not putting it forward, keeping it back because you can't target it unless it's the closest enemy model. Having parking him on the back of an you know in a in an objective, I can move everything else forward, and he's just going to sit back. He's got good range on his guns. He can he can still do some shooting. He can still contribute. So. Look at exactly what this has done. You've had to get creative, which is brilliant. You're starting to look at other units in your codex because of it. I think it's a great change. So the next yeah. change is um, with basically Farsight Enclaves. You now only get the Markalite ability if you're within nine inches, not 12, which means when you come in from Manta Strike, you're not going to just instantly gain that ability any longer, which I think is great. Um, you know, I think that's absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. Yes. This is brilliant. Great change for the game. It's going to just stop that alpha strike. And if Farsight Enclave do want to, you know, hit you, they're going to have to get up close and personal, which isn't really where Tau typically want to be anyway. So I think that's a nice change. Yes. And then the next change is core removed from broadsides. So no more five plus four no pain on your broadside. No more re-roll, hit rolls, re hit re-roll, wound rolls because of whoever and nearby um you know you're actually going to have to take some stabilized optics or something if you want to go for um Calion or whatever or you know you're going to have to rely on good positioning and good screening and maybe go for some farsight for a reroll a wound or maybe um you're going to go for is it talcept that get reroll a hit roll yes talcept gets the the reroll one hit roll reroll one wound roll yeah brilliant you know and that, that's fantastic. We'll see where they're at with broadsides. And if they need a change in the future, then there's always points, right? You know, it's great. Yeah. I think it's a good yeah. change. Yeah. Uh, 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 coach, uh, VT coach uh, Kyle Grundy um, uh, was was talking in our group chat this morning. I think I think that taking away core was a little bit of an overcorrection. I think it would have been better if they had just maybe changed it. Because I know that giving the five up feel no pain and some of the other core related buffs to broadsides was what they Crazy. wanted to get rid of. The problem is taking away the core also takes away, like you, you can't put shadow sun full rerolls to hit on broadsides anymore, which that's fine. But I think taking away the ability for them to reroll ones to hit was a little excess. That's where I think it went just a little too far. So I agree with Kyle on that one. Um, but it is what it is and we will, we can adapt. And there's, like you said, if creativity will do just fine. There are ways around and, and still making broadsides very viable. Yeah. Um, and then the last change to Tau, uh, it's not a huge one. It was, you know, I, I did want to just pull this trick off once, but uh, never got to, but that's okay. Um, add the following to the repulsor impact field and photon grenade stratagems. 
the charge roll modifier incurred via the stratagem is not cumulative with any other negative modifier to a unit's charge roll. So much like the change to Harlequins, this is the idea is to not keep things to totally out of charge range because there was a way uh, that you I wanted to pull off the combo of having Pathfinders with a Grav Inhibitor drone that already reduces your charge range against that unit by two inches. They could also use the Photon Grenade Stratagem so you could have give an enemy unit a minus four to charge. That was, I wanted to do it once, just once for the lols, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. And remember, if that person was also charging over difficult terrain, there'd be minus six. Right. So yeah, so now you're, you know, you're minus six to charge. And cool. you know you're and you're starting and you're starting at nine inches away. Good luck. And the problem oh, is yeah. you can't. The problem is if you're not aware of that stratagem combination, you could have a really cool repentry unit, you know, onto the table, and you're like, oh, okay, well I could go over dense, that's fine, or difficult ground. I can do minus two. Yeah, I think I'm all right. And then you go, ha, minus four, idiot, loser. You know, and you're like, oh, even my miracle dice charge, I still fail it. Cool. So my really cool combat unit I wanted to use. Can't even go and charge unit pathfinders. Now I've just lost it. You know, it just it creates a bit of a feel bad. So I'm actually really yeah. happy. Minus two, that's that's where it stops there. So it's great because it's now not going to uh, be used in conjunction with any other negative modifier, which I think is great. Yeah. So no, it's 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 reasonable and it's fair. And you know, it, like I said, I wanted to do it once, just once, just for the for the laugh of it. And then, you know, I probably would have gone, haha, I can do this, but I won't. And, you know, cause I don't like playing the game like that. But, yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. So we got to move this along. Um, cause we've already been talking for over an hour. Let's, uh, let's do, uh, we had a listener question, I think on Instagram, right? Yeah. Um, but it's about Tempest of War cards and whether we'll see them in competitive play in the future or whether they should be. Um, but I think we need a bit longer to discuss that because I actually think it's a really good topic to go into. I've been using the Tempest of War cards that have just come out recently, and I actually think they're a really fantastic way to actually play the game, especially for like pickup games. And I could see tournaments using them in the future, potentially. Um, a bit more of a sort of like casual tournament, maybe beginners tournaments could be a great way just to get people introduced to an idea of a secondary objective in different types of missions. But um, on the whole, I think Games Workshop have nailed this pack. I used to hate Maelstrom of War, by the way. Hate it. So for me to even consider using them, uh, we had them on stream. Um, I actually think a really, really good way to play the game, uh, especially if it's like a pickup game or you want to just play a friend or something. Just get the cards out, reveal them. And there's lots of different alternative ways you could use them. I think it's fantastic. Games Workshop smashed it. Yeah, you you and uh, Michael played with them, uh, wasn't it? Me and Jake. Uh, two weeks ago. Me and Jake. Yeah, me and Jake. Oh, that, that's right. It's you and Jakey. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. So, all right. Um, and now uh, we will do our Battle Ready segment with uh, James from Siege Studios. Okay, so James, today I want to talk about weathering. Okay, obviously it's the grim dark. Um, so weathering and chipping can look amazing on models, but obviously if it's done too heavily can, you know, sort of detract a little bit for me. Do you have any good tips on, yeah, achieving like a good weathering or chipping effect without overdoing it? Uh, well, there's various different ways of doing it. Um, there are ways that are quick. There are ways that are accurate. There are ways that are uh, more realistic than others. Typically, I would say that I use amalgamation of a, of a, of a few uh, for quick weathering. Yeah, a sponge, a couple of colors and a sponge is, is easy. Uh, really, really quick, controlled uh, to an extent. Uh, I wouldn't advise doing it perhaps on infantry, maybe just tanks and things. Uh, infantry, the scale can be off sometimes when you do it. Um, but 
I, I kind of personally, and this is just in my own painting, I'll juggle between doing it with a brush and painting chips and scratches and, and little nicks and things on with a brush. And then also for, for mass large models, I'd probably just use a sponge and a couple of colors and, and be controlled with what I'm doing. Um, oils, I don't really touch. Uh, I've seen them. I've used them on once or twice in the past. I don't use them very often. Um, I'll rely typically on more uh, controlled manners of painting. So a sponge or a brush or uh, you, you, the hairspray technique is also very, very good. Um, but it's quite regimented in the way you have to do it you have to put in obviously various layers to protect the paint underneath and also a layer of hairspray on the top that you then paint over uh, but then don't hair dry it on or dry it on with heat so then it doesn't stick it's, it's quite an involved process that is easy once you know it but if you just go dab hand at it you can get it wrong so yeah hang on a minute did you say not to use a hairdryer yeah, so when you you paint the so let's just real quick hairspray. I'll run through it really quick. You paint the model. I think I may have just gone horribly wrong on one of my last models, and he looks a mess. So, so what? what you yeah. It's 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 really easy to do, but like there's a quite a regimented process as I mentioned. So uh, paint your model, undercoat it uh, black or grey or whatever. Put your rust layer on, so your brown. Uh, you can sponge oranges, greens, blues, all these different colours underneath to make it interesting underneath the metal. Um, what you then do is gloss varnish that. So you put a protective layer of gloss varnish over the top of it. Okay. On top of that gloss varnish layer, once it's dried and you can hair dry that gloss varnish layer on, so it just sets really quick, nice and shiny and, and tough. You then get your cheap budget, super drug, uh, boots, 29p can of hairspray. Do some smooth passes across it. So cover the model, but smoothly, don't just spray it depressing the trigger on the hairspray constantly you want to just do gen generous but controlled sprays on where you're doing it to put a nice layer of that hairspray over the miniature let that air dry don't use a hairdryer let that dry then you put over your airbrush layer really carefully nice and thin uh, and let that air dry do not hair dry that final paint color onto the model all right once they've air dried, you can then get a warm sponge or you can get a, 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 you know, a cotton bud, which is what I typically will use in warm, hot water. The way it works is obviously the heat of the, of the water. Uh, if you've ever put hairspray in your own hair before, uh, cold water doesn't really get rid of it. It becomes a sticky mess. Whereas if you use hot water, it, it breaks down the chemical bonds of what essentially is glue. And that's what hairspray is. Um, and then the heat that's on that cotton bud will start lifting the, uh, the, the the hairspray underneath that paint layer. It will seep through the paint layer onto the hairspray, reactivate it, and it will come off. And that will remove the paint and the hairspray in one fell swoop, leaving underneath that protected rust layer that you put the, hairspray, the gloss varnish over. That's amazing. I think I know exactly where I've gone wrong because I ended up in a big old sticky mess. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you very much. No worries at all. I'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, James. Uh, and uh, that's it for this week. Uh, next week, we're probably, um, unless something else crazy happens, we are going to finally get around to talking about the Xenomorph infestation coming for us all, the new Tyranid Codex. Um, and that's, uh, uh, or we're going to do that that roundtable discussion with a, with a bunch of the VT coaches and we can all get everybody, we get all the faction experts from from the Academy, from, the, from Vanguard Tactics in to talk about uh, this... Uh, the, how they view this balanced data slate and how it's affecting their their specialized factions. So uh, it's gonna either way, it's gonna be a great conversation. So please tune in to hear all about the important things uh, about either dealing with Tyranids or dealing with this balanced data slate. So uh, until then, this is Dave Calmel for Stephen Box saying, "I'm your Huckleberry." Take care.